This is the Tomorrow Christian Today reading Acts 6 in the NLT. But first and always, we pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for Christmas. Thank you so much for the birth of your son. We hold to him, Lord, um, in all his stages, but as a man and as a savior and as the God-man. And now we're going to read about Acts 6, about the early church. And persecution has started, Lord, but somehow persecution makes more more Christians, not less. And that's kind of ironic, but that's the power of the Holy Spirit. So please help us, Lord, that we will be passionate. Uh, we'll be excited. Um, we don't really want persecution, Lord, but it will come in the Christian walk, the Christian life. And um, just help us to be strong, fortify us in the sword of the spirit and the breastplate of righteousness and everything else the pastor talked about last Sunday. Thank you for your word again. Pray in the name of Christ. Amen. So uh, this is your boy here. <laughs> I wanted to say that. Uh, no, this is your boy here reading BibleRef.com. So thank you, BibleRef people. Uh, waiting for you guys to do the Old Testament notes. These are really great notes. So I can't take credit for this. I, I got I to gotta give it up to my boys at BibleRef.com, even though I don't know them. Great tool. And, you know, reading from the website, uh, Acts 6 is an introduction to the first Christian martyr. We know who, who, that, who that is, and it's the start of persecution against the church. So uh, there's a bunch of guys that are picked, and Stephen is one of them. And he has irrefutable logic, uh, but persecution starts. They can't refute him, so they try to start persecuting the church. But it seems to have the opposite effect. Like the blood of... The blood of I think I... I think I heard this somewhere. The blood of the martyrs is is seed for the growth of the church, and nobody wants to be persecuted. And I did try to read the Fox's Book of Martyrs once, and I just couldn't read that. I couldn't read it. I got I got a couple pages like I don't I don't need to know. It kind of frightened me, and I don't think I I want to read it. Like I know this persecution. I I just thought of Second Timothy three verse twelve as I was praying. It says. Those who uh, would live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That was Second Timothy three twelve. So you will get eternal. Um, you will get eternal life. You have salvation. You have peace in Jesus. But your outer world may shift in terms of turbulence. May come from different sources, not from within, but from without, because um, you have the peace that passes understanding, and that's the reality of the Christian walk. Jesus said, "Take up your cross and follow me." And uh, but I know every day I'm I'm more and more uh, certain as I walk with the Lord. And hearing the guys in the Bible study last night, my my uh, my dudes in uh, the Bible study at Cedarview Church, um, and reading Romans four, it was I think it's that we have this confidence. We have a confidence in our faith, and I hope it grows. And if if this listening to the Bible here can do that. Uh, praise the Lord. I give credit to Jesus Christ. Seven men chosen to serve. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So I guess there's like, uh, so like favoritism or nepotism. Is that, is that a word, nepotism? Does it mean favoritism? I'm not sure. But anyways, uh, there's like a favoritism. There's a hierarchy going on, and we're not liking that. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. So I don't think they're disrespecting the food program. It's just that maybe there has to be a division of duties, right? And I think 
sound kind of like Moses when Moses was trying to do everything and then his father-in-law Jethro came along and said, dude, you're not doing the right thing here. You're doing too much. You have to delegate, right? Leaders have to delegate. I mean, I'm not a leader, but this is what I've heard. So if you're the leader type and, you know, God has blessed you with that mantle of leadership where you kind of know what's going on, I guess you do have to delegate to people and maybe God will help you to figure out who those people are. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected, seven men, and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. So this Philip person, I don't think it's the same Philip who was like a disciple of Jesus, right? There was a Philip who was a disciple of Jesus. I don't think this is the same guy. Um, verse 7, so God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. So, you know, I think it was like up to 5,000, so definitely that. And, you know, I'm sure that the Jewish leadership um, is not really liking what they're seeing. Like they, they kind of beat the guys and said, okay, go ahead and don't talk about Jesus anymore. And instead of the church kind of dis diminishing and losing steam, um, instead it's kind of growing rapidly, right? And the more you seem to try to chase after Christians, the more they just pop out of nowhere, you know? Verse 8, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. Freed slaves? Okay. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So Stephen is your boy, and uh, he has irrefutable logic. The spirit has just given him a, a very keen and debating mind and there are some guys who really have this great apologetics i do not i get very frustrated um you know i start tripping over words so your boy here can do this <laughs> but this but stephen <laughs> obviously uh the, the holy spirit has given him a lot of uh, iq as well a lot of eq as well so they persuaded some men to lie about stephen saying we have heard him blaspheme moses and even god so that worked on jesus so we're going to use the so the devil has to blaspheme you know if we can't refute the uh, enemy we have to tar the person we have to lie and the devil is the father of lies so let's start doing some lies this roused the people the elders and the teachers of religious law so they arrested stephen and brought him before the high council the lying witnesses said this man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of moses which he apparently was not doing maybe because he was probably saying it's the law of grace the law of faith Right, it's the inner law, right? Versus Romans, we just discussed this last night. The, the, uh, the Romans is like the the law of the concrete. Um, talking about the concrete, the law of Moses, the law of works, right? If you have just the law of works, your heart is not addressed, right? But if you have the law of faith, the law of grace, and from a transformed heart that works is included, because we were talking about Romans and also James, it's like. Um, you know, the, the inner heart, the inner law transforms the outer works, right? So, but obviously he was, Stephen was probably talking about the law of grace, law of faith. They probably heard lawlessness, right? I'm just thinking, because I had a conversation like this with family members. Oh, you believe in grace? You mean you don't, you're not under the law anymore? You mean you're lawless? Like they just ran with that, baby. They just, 
were waiting for that one because they had been prepared, right? They'd been prepped. Oh, when they say grace, it means it's an excuse for lawlessness. And it's an excuse for antinomialism, which means anti-law, like lawlessness, right? Anarchy, right? Oh, you don't have the law. You're not under the law. Therefore, you're lawless. Uh, no, it doesn't mean that. Verse 14, we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. Lies, right? Misinterpretations, mistruths, half-truths, all lies. You could just kind of spin in your head the stuff you've heard um, people argue against when it comes to Jesus. Jesus is loose. Jesus just abandoned the laws. Jesus threw it all away. You know, Moses gave... And we've, we've, we've looked at this, right? We've looked at numbers. We've looked at... Um, you know, um, almost four-fifths of the Torah now, and we can see that it's about the laws, right? It's about the guardrails. It's about the training wheels, training wheels, you know, and Galatians says that this was all given for a time, right? It was a tutor, and, and then at such time that Christ would liberate us, you know, God would give us freedom because because we are we already know we've been trained, disciplined, but discipline without God is still futile. But anyways, it says, we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. Yeah, Jesus lives in us now. We're the temple. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. So he has been um, put before the council and he's going to speak. And we will hear the words at some future date. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for indulging my rambling. And let the Holy Spirit speak to you in God's word. Have a great day.